begin to start to identify with the words that we sing. Father in heaven, we pray this morning for your blessing as we look at your word once again. Thank you that there's not a thing in this world that we need to worry about. Not one thing. For you are in control. You are our great God and we are more than conquerors through you. Father, I want to thank you for that truth, and I thank you that as we sing, it is well with my soul, that we really can mean the very words we sing and know the, the, the freedom and the, the, the liberty that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that our sin has been washed away, nailed to the cross in him. We bless you, Lord, and thank you for meeting with us this morning as you have. Uh, we pray you'll bless now as your word goes forth, that you'll be honored in every way. Give a message this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible, if you would, please. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about how to conquer worry. One of the greatest problems plaguing people today is the, the problem of worry. The Bible has quite a bit to say about the subject. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to, to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I said, one of the greatest problems in the world today seems to be the problem of worry. Our motto as a society seems to be, when in doubt, just worry about it. It'll be okay. <laughs> I never forget, my mom was a, she was a just a great lady, but she was the w most worryful person I've ever met. I'd say, Mom, you just don't need to worry. Now, when you're 94 years old, you don't tell somebody that. 
you know, and, and, and expect, you don't tell somebody who's 94 years old that and expect them to respond quite like maybe somebody else would because she had been there, done that, and was not interested in hearing from me. She said, I just have to. You don't understand. I just have to worry. I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but she didn't. She really didn't have to worry. Worry... I believe is one of the things that renders us ineffective more than any other. We're talking about things that kill our joy, We're talking about things that, uh, that that destroy our lives, and how we can conquer those kill joys of life. And I, I believe that God wants us to conquer the problem of worry. He wouldn't have had so much to say about it if He didn't. Uh, worrying is not God's plan. God never intended for us to go around worrying and filled with worry. Quite to the contrary, he said don't worry about anything. Verse 6, we read a moment ago, be anxious for nothing. Or be, the King James says, be careful or full of care for no reason. I think maybe it's the New Living says, don't worry about anything. Jesus himself said, don't worry. In fact, he wants us to be filled with joy instead of filled with worry. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. said, these things are that we write unto you that your joy may be full. Well, one of the, one of the chief reasons that we find ourselves worrying over things instead of living uh, the victorious life which God wants us to live is, is a problem with our thought life. You know, when we think of our thought life, we, we generally want to, you know, we, we just automatically go to evil thoughts and, and things that we shouldn't be thinking about and in that respect. But uh, the truth is, our thought life suffers in a lot of other ways. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, I think Zig Ziglar is right when he talks about it. He said it's that... Uh, Stinking thinking, as he calls it, you know, that uh, our, our thought life stinks because we're not thinking according to, to the way Scripture says we should, uh, w- th- that we should think. By the way, Ziegler is a, is a great Christian man and, in fact, had the opportunity to sit in his Sunday school class one time. He has a, I don't know whether he still teaches it or not, but on, we were on vacation once and, and uh, went, to, uh, went to Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas where he was a member, still is, I guess, and and uh, got to sit in his in his Sunday school class, about four hundred, I think, in that Sunday school class. So, <laughs> yeah, it really has the personal touch. You understand, but uh, I'm sure they do with uh, with a uh, with the small groups that they have inside it. But but it was really neat to get sit and sit in his class. But he, he talks about stinking thinking and how our our thought lives just really truly stink. And in fact, they they do. And that's the reason. That we worry the way we do because we are not thinking as God would have us to think. The Bible tells us that it's something else. Ziegler may call it, cause it, call it stinking thinking, but, but God calls it sin. Now that's pretty harsh. But that's what God calls it. For you see, when... We look at this problem of an incorrect thought life, we, we understand that we're violating commands of Scripture. Right here in verse 8 gives us, tells us how, exactly how we ought to think. And we'll get to that in just, just a moment. 
the remedy for the problem of worry, and if you're a worry wart, here's how to overcome it. It's in Philippians chapter 4. The formula for overcoming worry. Let me give you four things that will help you to conquer worry. First of all, prayer. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The first place to take a problem is to God. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to bring our problems to Him. You know, I have caught myself on occasion earlier in my Christian life when I before I began to really understand the value of prayer and how God, how interested God was in my, in my life, I found myself apologizing to God for having to keep coming and asking Him to help with certain situations that I was struggling with. But the truth is, God loves us so much and He understands that we need to be able to come to Him. And He tells us in everything with prayer and supplication, Let it be known to God. And pray with thanksgiving, he says. If I'm praying about something that I don't like or that I'm having trouble with or a trial, how do I say, how do I pray with thanksgiving? Well, you just go right back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, which says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. In how many things do we give thanks, class? In everything. Is that the good stuff? Yes, it is. Is that the bad stuff? Yes, it is. Even for the tragedies, even for the problems, even for the things that we really don't like, we're still to give thanks for them. And you say, well, I don't want to give thanks for them. Well, you're just, you're just, if that's your, if you hang on to that attitude, you're just, you're just having a problem with your rebellious flesh. Because our flesh is rebellious. And our our flesh says, I don't want to do that. But the truth is, if we are willing to, uh, to submit and to surrender to the will of God and to say, thank you, Lord, for that problem that's come into my life, what we are doing As we pray about that problem, we're exhibiting an attitude of faith. It indicates an an attitude of expectancy. That's faith. When I pray saying, thank you, Lord, for the problem that 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 I'm, I'm, I'm undergoing right now, this situation that's in my life right now, I thank you for it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm not required to like it. I'm not required to enjoy it. I don't, and I shouldn't lie to God because He knows the truth. It's okay to go ahead and tell Him, Lord, I, I don't like this, and you know I don't like it, but I want to thank you for it. And the reason I can thank you for it is because I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That God is working using this problem in my life. This is just practical. Christianity. We've got to, when we look at things with expectancy, look at Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment and verse 6 with me. 
Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Now, I know some of you could recite this to me because you've memorized it, and that's good. It's a good one to memorize. But sometimes it's good for us to look at it again because sometimes we just pass right over some of the stuff that's in it. Verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. You cannot please God without faith. We're talking about having an attitude of expectancy, which is an attitude of faith. And when I say, thank you, Lord, for the problem that I have, thank you, Lord, I look at this problem as an opportunity for you to work in my life. I am taking you at your word. That honors God. But it goes beyond that. Look at the rest of the verse. This is the reason I want you to look at it. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what faith is. It's believing that God really is God. You know, when we, when we pray many times, we are praying in a, in a, in a situation Saying, Lord, deliver me from this situation. Lord, get me out of this situation. Or Lord, uh, provide something that will take care of this situation in a way that will, that will fit right into my plan. When in fact God says, you know what, I, I want to deliver you. But I'm going to deliver you in this plan, not out of this plan. And you know what that is? That's another opportunity to see God do some wonderful work in our lives. Our problem is... We want this instant gratification which says uh, that we want to gratify our flesh when in fact God's got a better idea. He's got a much greater plan than ours. And yes, it's for our good. And yes, sometimes it's different than ours. But it's always the best. We must believe that He is God and that He is a rewarder of Him that diligently seeks Him got to just keep on asking so that's how you pray with thanksgiving even in the midst of a problem let me give you a second thing and this deals with something we've already referred to in verse 8 not only prayer will help you to conquer worry but proper thinking will help you to uh, to conquer worry proper thinking proverbs 23 7 says as As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As we think in our heart, so are we. Questions come that we should ask ourselves about our thinking. Let me help you to fill in the blanks in your notes. First of all, ask yourself, is it true? Verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. He gives us eight things in here. Eight things, eight ways that we ought to think. First of all, ask yourself, is it true? Or is it just in my head? You know, a lot of our worry comes about by things that might just, you know, they could be. They might be. They, they This could be. That what if, you know. Uh, and they're the first thing from the truth that there is. We've got to think on things that are true. 
You know, a lot of good relationships, in fact, with people are damaged because people think that other people are thinking or doing something that they never even thought of. Well, you know, that's, you know, this is kind of the way that it is. This, that's probably what's, what's happening. This is kind of the, that is not thinking about things that are true. Sort it out. If you're, you know what, I just could, you know, I'm, I've been having, I've been having uh, financial problems and my goodness, uh, uh, you know, it, it, this what if I can't pay the, the rent this month or maybe what if I can't pay the car payment this month or what if there's no, uh, food in the, you know, in the, in the pantry or, you know, what, you know, I mean, man alive, it's just overwhelming, isn't it? Don't we get that way? What if is not true? You know, a good thing for you to do when you get to thinking about stuff like that is go around and look at things that are true in your life and thank God for those things and the blessings of God that are yours. And look at what God has done in your life in the past. Getting ahead of myself here on this one. Let me give you a second thing. Second uh, way to think. If you're going to have proper thinking, ask yourself, is it noble? Is it noble? Does the type of thinking that I'm involving myself in show any self-respect? That's what being noble is, having some self-respect. In other words, don't think in a way that will require you to stoop to lower things. Sometimes we, we allow our thought life to be corrupted. And we want to lower our standards. And as a result, as we invite sin into our lives, it affects us in all areas of our lives. Third question, is it just or right or honest or or trustworthy? Can you count on it? Is it pure? Ask yourself, is it? Is it pure? I want to tell you, lust will destroy you. And I, I am, I'm here to tell you that our nation has a problem. Our society has a problem with this issue. We are grooming our, even our children. When I say we, you understand I'm not talking about Obviously, I'm not talking about me because I don't have any to groom. Mine are all grown and gone. But, uh, and I'm not talking necessarily about you. I'm talking about our society is grooming the children of this culture to invite lust. You say, well, how is that? Just go to the mall sometime. You'll learn. It won't take too much time. Or Walmart. Just any place, the public place. And to see how they how how the, the the kids are dressing, or take a look at what you see on the wall or on the on, in the window in, in the store that you're walking out. I'll never forget. I was in Boise Mall out here. I'd gone there to with uh, with someone to get. They had a watch repaired or something. I don't remember what it was. Maybe in Chris. I don't remember. It's been a few years ago, but we went to the Boise Mall and and. We're standing there, and they got this little, 
you probably know where this place is in the mall. It's a watch repair place right out in the middle of the mall, and it's kind of a jewelry watch repair thing or something. Anyway, they went to pick up this this watch, and I'm just standing there, you know. And, of course, you know how you do. You just stand there. And I looked up, and Victoria's Secret is right there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we got up close and personal posters about 12 feet tall by 8 feet wide, you know. And I want to tell you. They're inviting you to do this. And this kind of stuff, sin is hurtful. Television. And I'm not against TV. I watch too much of it myself. But I want to tell you, we need to learn to turn the television off when stuff comes on there that is harmful to our thought life. And men, let me say something to you. This is something we struggle with more than women do when, as it relates to, as, as it relates to the, the lust of the eye. Women seem to respond more to touch. But it's a problem. Learn to turn that thing off instead of inviting sin into your, into your living room. My wife and I got kind of caught up last year and I must confess it's pretty bad when you're more motivated as a man to see a football player than you are a pretty girl but Emmett Smith was on um, this dancing show Dancing with the Stars and man I had to see Emmett Smith you know Emmett's the man <laughs> I mean he's Dallas Cowboy He's uh, he's the greatest rusher in the history of the NFL. You got to see Emmett, and I've always liked him. And Emmett, Emmett's a good guy. But we watched that thing, and and finally, I told Pam, I said, "We got to turn that off. I can't watch that thing. You got you can watch if you want to. I ain't watching it no more because the women in that thing are are not adequate adequately covered." That's the society that we live in. And so we wonder why, and we're talking about worry, when we invite sin of any kind into our lives, it corrupts our thought patterns and it corrupts our our, our faith in the Lord and we're not trusting in God. And so what happens? We become, we're in charge. So it's up to me. All of a sudden, it's up to me. I've got to deliver. And when I have to deliver... I begin to worry, and the ulcers start working. And all, folks, when God's in charge, you don't have to worry one bit. But we got to—we've got to have a pure thought life. Fifth, ask yourself: Is it lovely, or pleasing, or agreeable? Jesus said we're to love even our enemies. That is totally, diametrically opposite of the way most of us think. 
In our thought lives, we, we begin to, to sit and, wor- and, and, and think about those who, who may be against us. We get past the, the true thing, how they really are against us. And so what do we do? We don't think thoughts that are lovely, do we? We begin to think about how we are being mistreated and misused and, and all of this negative stuff coming in. And what it does, it begins to destroy our, our thought lives. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good deeds for them. Pray for them. If you do that, you can't have, you can't be filled with worry about something. For it just changes your whole outlook on the, on the situation. Number six, ask yourself, is it of a good report? Is it worth thinking about or is it just gossip? Mm-hmm. Number seven, is there any virtue? The Greek word here means moral excellence. Don't settle for second best when it comes to your thought life. Make sure that it is a virtuous thought life. And number eight, finally, is it praiseworthy? Uh, The Greek here means praise to God's glory. Will the way that you are thinking bring, uh, bring glory to God? Negative, ungodly Thinking places a burden on our shoulders that God does not intend for us to carry. Thinking properly is to think as Christ thinks. And that's the way we are to think. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude about life that Jesus has. Then the third thing that will help you to overcome worry in your life, not only prayer and proper thinking, but past experience will help you as well. Verse 9, Paul said, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Learn from that which you have seen. Or that which you have experienced in the past. If not in your life, things that you've seen in other people's lives. You know that when God blesses you, he's giving you an object lesson to look back to in the past. You know, that's the, the New Testament talks about the things in the, in the Old Testament. They were, these things were written for our example, it says. And when God blesses you, Write it down if you've got a poor memory. And go back to it when it happens again and look at it. I mean, that is one of the most strengthening things that there is. It is difficult to worry when you stop and think about how God has delivered you in a situation before that was just like what you're in right now. Can't God do it again? You know, that was one of the problems with the children of Israel. Children of Israel, when they were in the, in the wilderness, uh, that 40 years of, of wandering around, uh, they went from one miracle to another. 
But they were complaining and griping the whole way. Because they could not seem to remember how God had delivered them before. In very similar situations. Get, a little, get under a little pressure and start to, start to, to gripe and to worry and to, and to complain. And, and, you know, it's real easy for us to look at Israel and say, my, a bunch of, bunch of worry warts. We're just like them. And we shouldn't be. Because God has done great things for us. You say, well, you know, I haven't had some of those great blessings of God I've heard about. You serve God long enough and you step out by faith and you live by faith. And I promise you, you'll see God working. And if you hadn't seen any of them in the meantime, you look at somebody else who has and watch them. Paul said, learn from me. Look at me. See what God has done in my life. There are others that are in your life that you can look to and see how God's worked in their lives. Follow their example. The fourth is practical contentment. You want to overcome worry, you've got to learn practical contentment. Paul said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned... In whatever state I am, to be content. You see, lack of contentment in life brings worry by complicating our lives. Our lives are way too complicated. Being content is making a statement. I acknowledge that God is in control, and when He is in control, there is no need to worry. That's the value of contentment. If you will, as Paul said in verse 9, do these things. The God of peace shall be with you. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isaiah said it this way. He said, God shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in God. Bottom line, think like Jesus thinks. You want to overcome worry? Think like Jesus thinks. Do you think for one minute that Jesus Christ ever worried? Well, of course not. He didn't need to. He, he knew God was his father. He knew his father could do anything necessary to give him victory in life. I mean, he... Uh, some would say, well, he really, you know, he had an unfair advantage. Compare us to him. No, he didn't. For you see, as children of God, God is our Father as well. We have every right to expect God to take just as good a care of us as Jesus thought that he should of him. Think like Jesus Christ. You'll find yourself free from worry. And you'll have the joy that John talks about as full joy in your life. Bow your heads with me, please, just for a moment.